What up, y'all? How are we? Good, good, good. Good to be here with you all this morning. Uh, Loving that extra hour of sleep as well. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Yes. Okay. Hey, I am hyped for today. All right. Not just because of what we get to do at the end of our gathering, which I'm super stoked about, uh, but also because y'all, I'd be smashing my kids Halloween candy. Real talk. Like, I don't care. All right. They ain't in here. They don't listen to the messages, so they won't know, but I'll be working that. All right. So I'm hype on two fronts. Okay. So uh, as we continue uh, our vision series today, uh, we really are looking at uh, what we are kind of pinnacling to in a lot of ways as a church. We want to exalt disciples' sin for the glory of God. And so uh, this is the second to last week of that. And really, uh, we get to talk about one of our grand visions of a church today. And so we began our series looking at the exalt portion. Uh, of the church, really keeping the main thing the main thing. We want to exalt Jesus to make much of his name. This is what we are about as a church and will forever be about is the exaltation of our King Jesus. When we exalt him, though, we uh, become disciples. That's part of how we exalt Christ is being obedient to what he called us to, which is our own personal discipleship and making disciples of others. And so we reach the lost, we equip the saints, we live in community, uh, really because we believe uh, in the uh, mission that Jesus has laid out for us. What we know, though, is that we do not just exist for the edification of ourselves. We don't just exist that we ourselves will become better Christians, but true disciples, they impact the world around them. And so that's how we move to our sin piece is that as we exalt Christ, as we make disciples, we begin to impact the world around us. Last week, Josh talked about uh, serving the church and serving the city, kind of seeing what the city can become. And that's a way that we begin to uh, impact the gospel. That's how we begin to glorify Jesus is really uh, making his name known here, that there's refuge and community here within this church, and then also serving the city because we want to bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so we see what it will look like. We want to then impart that around us, okay? And this is what we hope to do. But today we get to talk about church planting, which is one of our grand visions. If you're new to the well, what we say as a church is that we hope that we get to plant 100 churches within the first 50 years of our existence as a church. And so this is what we desire to see. It's what we desire to do. And we think a lot of our mission and vision, they kind of build up to this point here. And so today, we not only get to talk about why this vision is important, why we care about it so much, but, saints of God, we get to celebrate the first national church plant today that we're sending off. Don't make me get hype already, all right? So here we go. I need y'all to be with me, okay? If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We're going to be in Titus chapter 3. We're going to camp out there all day, so there's no need to flip around. Once you go there, you can land there. If you don't have a Bible, the ushers are going to actually come forward now. Uh, They would love to give you one. So if you would just raise your hand, then they would love to give you uh, the word. If you physically don't own one, I would actually encourage you to raise your hand, and we want to give you that as a gift. You can take, you can keep that. That's our gift to you. We want you to have the word. You can also follow along in your smartphone, uh, you can type in the Well Austin or the link and you'll be able to, uh, yeah, find us there. And so we want you to be able to uh, see the word. We say this every week because we mean it. Uh, We really, really, really desire to be a people who are living in submission to the word of God, empowered by the spirit of God. And so we know even in our submission to God's word, as we're interacting with it, even while we are expositing it, as we're chopping it up as a church, Man, the Holy Spirit can often speak to our hearts. And so we want your eyes on the word because real talk, my words mean nothing, but the word of God is eternal and forever has power in our life. And so we want to submit to that very word. Okay. So we're going to camp out on one section. Titus chapter three is where we're going to be all morning this morning. And if you were there, say amen. Amen. Do your best to come to me. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis For I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all." 
Now, you may be thinking, what in the world does this have to do with church planting, okay? If this is one of our biggest desires as a church, then why kind of spend the passage looking at this one? Because on surface, it just looks like Paul's talking about what he's going to do for Christmas vacation, right? It's like, hey, I'm going to spend the winter here. Make sure you bring my coat. It's cold in this mug, all right? That's what it can feel like. But as we actually dive into it, we see there's actually a ton of depth here. Uh, Really, this passage is kind of deeply locked and loaded as to what we desire to do as a church. Once again, our mission, one of our core convictions is that we would be planting churches and our hope is that we would do a hundred of them within our generation, y'all. Like this is a desire of ours that we have as a church and we believe in this deeply, but why? Well, one of our distinctives as a church, something that kind of sets us apart in a way, it makes us distinct from maybe other uh, organizations or whatever it may be, is that we believe that the local church is God's means of redeeming the world. This is what we believe in, and we believe in it deeply, okay? Not individual, isolated Christians. We talked about that a while ago. God's the gifts in and of themselves. There is no human on earth that possesses all of the gifts in and of themselves. And so, therefore, we are drawn together, and the world is redeemed as we do this collectively, y'all. No matter how awesome the individual, they do not have the full power of God working through them individually because he has given gifts to his church as individual members, so that as we corporately come together, that's when Christ is exalted the most. And so it's not just individual, it's corporate. Nor do we believe in just like humanitarian efforts, like serving to make the city a better place. We don't think that redeems the world for the sake of Jesus. Now, we just said last week, we want to serve the city, and so this is a good thing. It's not that we don't think this is important. It is very important, but we don't want to be a church that just serves the city. We want to serve people's souls. And we believe that happens most regularly in the context of God's local church. And we see this all over the place. The local church is where there's efficiency to this, where there's an effectiveness to this. And this is a regular pattern that we have the gospel. be a part of is to multiply these churches that souls will be reached for the sake of the gospel. The New Testament is littered with this, y'all. If you look through it, you'll realize that, man, you actually kind of have to try to intentionally not see the importance of church planting in the New Testament in order to ignore the commandment of God to go plant churches. Now, there's not a direct uh, sentence that says to go do that, but it's literally what the New Testament is flooded and littered with. Like we see all the time, uh, Paul writing to what? Brand new church plants. When Paul went to go share the gospel, he didn't just bring people to faith, but he began to organize them and to bring them together to create a local church. Then he went somewhere else. So it wasn't just enough to see people come to faith, but they wanted to organize a church. You see all the time Paul leaving people in different places so that the church may be covered and cared for. He cared about the building, the establishing, of the local church. This was Paul's mission. This was Jesus's mission. This is what Peter writes about. We, the Gospels is actually a place. In fact, every single New Testament letter, really apart from the Gospels, is actually written to a local church or a church that's planting churches or pastors that are over church plants. And so we see this all over the place. It's flooded. In fact, in our very letter today, Titus, or Paul leaves Titus in Crete because he did missionary work there. A church was beginning to be formed, and Paul said, I want to leave you there so that you can form the church. All throughout the New Testament, we see the formation of local churches. And then what Paul wants them to do is not just to form, but then to multiply for the sake of the gospel, as we'll see even in this passage here in a moment. But Church planting or multiplication, it should be primary, y'all. It should be what we care about. And so we'll see this in this passage, okay? But throughout our time today, we're going to look at four specific things as we think about church planting. And so for you type A people or you Presbyterian Baptist folks that's coming to the well, all right? Look at four-point sermon, all right? You ain't going to get this from me a lot, okay? And so uh, you're welcome. Here we go. All right, so there's four points here. Point number one is that planting is strategic, Okay, church planting is strategic. What you notice in the Apostle Paul is that he's always sending his best or leaving his best to focus on church planting. 
And so there's strategy there. We'll get even more into this idea in a second. But uh, Titus is a close confidant of Paul. Like they did a ton of ministry together. Titus actually helped write some of the scriptures that we see. And so there's all this camaraderie and brotherhood. And yet Paul is leaving the person that he really does ministry with the best in a lot of ways to go establish a church plant because this is how much Paul cares about church planting, that he would depart from his best and leave them that the work might be established. Listen, church planting is the strategic way of exalting Christ here on earth. It is the way that we see this happen most regularly. And Paul cares about this more than he even cares about having deep friendship or brotherhood, even though he talks about that all the time. We see that because he's willing to leave his best so that churches can be established. Tim Keller, who is a pastor in New York and an author, is really big into church planting. And he actually says this about church planting. He says, the vigorous, continual planting of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy for the numerical growth of the body of Christ in a city and the continual corporate renewal and revival of the existing churches in a city. Nothing else, not crusades, megachurches, congregational consulting, nor church renewal processes will have the consistent impact of dynamic, extensive church planting. And he's done this over and over and over again, even at the cost of his own church at times. In fact, missiologist uh, C. Peter Wagner, which, yes, this dude gets paid to study mission, okay? And so you can be anything you want to be, right? That's like, all right. Um, man, that Kanye lyric got in my head now. Okay. Uh, this is what he looked at, okay? He looks at uh, what is the most effective way, <clears throat> excuse me, to really uh, see the mission of God go forward. And he says this, <clears throat> Planting new churches is the most effective evangelistic methodology known under heaven. It's strategic. It's important, okay? Paul wants Christ to be exalted, and he wants disciples to be made so that uh, the name of Jesus would be renowned in all the earth, and the way that he does that most regularly is by planting new churches, That's why we care about it so much. In fact, you see even other strategies of Paul, even in this very text. If you look at where Paul is, he's in Nicopolis, it says. Which, by the way, if there are pieces of scripture that you don't understand or like, what is that? My encouragement would be, don't always speed past it. Sometimes you're on a reading plan, it's okay, but sometimes there's a ton of depth if you stop and dig into the word a little bit. And so Nicopolis, what it was, was a port city uh, in Greece, and it was one of the most traveled in and out of cities in all of Greece. So as Paul is saying, hey, look, I'm going to spend the winter here, what he's probably doing is being very, very, very strategic. Because Paul wants the gospel to go to all nations, he's going to plant himself where people come in and out so that as they receive the gospel, they can carry it back to where they're from, Paul is being strategic even at where he's locating himself in the winter. There's strategy in church planting. In fact, y'all, this is actually why we desire so deeply to stay in the central East Austin area. It's not because this is a cool part of the city or we just like it over here or something like that. There's actually strategy to this. We want to be close to UT. Why? Because we believe that the college students are literally our next missionaries and church planners, people who will change the world, not just for UT's sake, but for the sake of the gospel. What starts here changes the eternal world, okay? And so we get to see that and we want to build into that. We also want to be close to the 35 corridor because, listen, even though we want to plant churches all over the place, so we'd love to plant a church in Houston or Minnesota or wherever, okay? We want to plant 100 churches, but we know that most of our churches are probably going to be in Austin. And so literally, as we are on the 35 corridor right in the central center part of it, then we can send north and south so easily. And so as the Lord Lord keeps bringing people into our city, we want to be strategic where we locate so that we can see more churches planted across this area, across this city, and really the county around us. And so as Apple brings 1.6 billion jobs to Austin, hey, we cool with that, right? We're mad, right? And we want to plant church stuck in traffic, but we're great with it on Sunday when we think, hey, listen, this is strategic, right? And we want to plant churches there so that people can hear about the goodness of Christ. And so we want to be strategic even in where we are located, just as Paul was here. Listen, you should be strategic for the sake of the kingdom. 
That's what we're saying here. And church planting is a strategic way to exalt and to disciple and make sending happen. Notice Paul's strategy, even in who he's asking to come to him. You have Zenos and Apollos, it says. So you have a marketplace worker and you have the minister. Apollos, if you look through the book of Acts, was a dynamic preacher. In fact, he was known amongst all the churches because of how awesome he could preach. And so this guy is there. Both of them are needed for the sake of the gospel for the sake of church planting, Paul is being strategic in who he's asking to come. And so one of them, Apollos, probably helped form the church and equip the church through the preaching of the word. And you have Zenos, who is probably sharing the gospel in the marketplace and was there being an effective evangelist as a lawyer interacting with many different people. You had this unbelievable preacher, and then you had this lawyer who probably made a little bit of money. So Paul's like, hey, yo, bring that dude that'd be making some guap, all right? We want we want to plant churches, okay? And that's what we see here, right? And Paul's unashamed of that. Why does it give his title? It's for us to see. Like, there's strategy even there. And so this is strategic. There's a funding of ministry that is needed as that happens. Both of these are needed. More on that in a second, okay? But notice even Paul's strategy of sending other missionaries. Look at verse 14 again. It says, hey, when I send them, then you come, Titus. So when I send, then you come. What are we seeing here? Well, Paul is sending other capable leaders to lead the church because he doesn't want something to die just for some other work to be accomplished. He doesn't want the suffering of the sending church to actually end up kind of collapsing it, but he wants to maintain both the multiplication of new churches and the health of the existing churches. So he's making sure the church in uh, Crete is actually well taken care of. What does that mean for us? Well, it means we should never have a leadership gap. We should never leave a leadership gap around us. You should always aim, family of God, to replace yourself. You should always aim to multiply yourself. That means we need to be strategic on the home front, where we are now, and strategic at where we are going. And as we replace ourselves, that's actually one of the most effective ways that we can see the continuation of churches being planted. Like, listen, if you're the dopest CG shepherd that there is, okay, like every time you start up a CG, your, church, or your CG's killing it. You know, you always have like 60 people come in no matter where you started or what you do. Like you're just dope. You're killing it, okay? And then if you leave and then your CG fails, then I want to tell you you're not that dope. It's actually a failure of ministry at that point. Like, we need to be multiplying ourselves. Good leaders, they multiply themselves, they replace themselves before they are sent off. And so we should always be aiming to replace ourselves so that the church grows healthier. And then, if and when God calls us into other places, then the church that we are leaving is healthy and able to continue multiplication. And the church where we are going is healthy. And they grow because we are so used to multiplying ourselves. It happens naturally. We need to replace ourselves, multiply ourselves. Paul is layering on strategy here at the end of Titus because he's instructing missional work to be happening as he's sending and leaving people in different places. He wants us to see the strategy to this. Like, missional work takes a ton of strategy, y'all. That's why we don't just catapult churches off. That's why we actually have a two-year residency even here at our own church. Because we want to train and develop and equip and make sure that it's not like, oh, yeah, that dude can preach. Let's go send him then. Like, no, we want to make sure there's character there and that there's ministry skill there, that we see multiplication happening. We see the ability to organize things, to make sure they take the next steps. We want the core team to be developed and to multiply themselves. It's a, it's a whole process because, man, there's strategy here, right? Now, can we keep it 100 real quick? That means can we be honest with each other? Okay, at times, isn't there a little bit of something in us that we kind of want to see something struggle when we leave? Yeah, am I the only wicked one in here? I feel that way, right? Like, like we, we don't want to see it fail by any means, okay? Like, we're not like Satan, right? But we kind of want to see it struggle because we kind of want to feel like we were important, like we, like we had a part to play. Like, without us, then it's going to kind of just limp around a little bit. It's not going to break its leg, but it'll definitely be limping for a few months, right? And, like, we kind of want to see that. Amen? We can be honest, all right? It's okay to say amen is your own faults. We need Jesus. Maybe you don't do it in the church, but you probably do it at work. 
which is why you kind of inflate your value so that others can't step above because you want to feel like you're important there. We do it all over the place, right? Like, like we kind of want to not really replace ourselves, but make ourselves irreplaceable. And that's not okay, y'all, in the kingdom of God. Like, all this is showing is that we really care about our own individual ministry more than we care about the overall mission of God. And so we often care more about our part in the mission than the mission itself. And we cannot do that, y'all. Like, if we're going to see multiplication, we have to care more about the grand kingdom than our own little individual kingdoms. Like, no cap, if I was up here and somebody was like, hey, like, we're going to uh, get another preacher, lead pastor in here because, man, this dude's just more effective than you. I'd be like, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> hey, hey, let's send him on a church plant, right? Because it would be hard for me to surrender that because I forget this as well. So I'm being honest. Like, it's easy to uh, forget about we are not here for our own glory, but for the glory of our king who is forever worthy. And so we want to replace ourselves and to be strategic in the way that we do that and to think about that often. This is so, so, so very important. Like, listen, do you think that Jesus felt insecure when he left and then Christianity blew up? Right? Like, Jesus wasn't like, oh, man, now it's blowing up. Like, listen, Jesus' whole strategy on earth was to replace himself so that when he left, then it would blow up. And so literally, he's making disciples and pouring into these men. When I leave, you will do greater things than me, Jesus says. Why? Because he's replaced himself so well that the power of the gospel starts going after he leaves. We need to be replacing ourselves. And Paul is strategic in that. Hey, when I send them, then you go. I want to make sure there's no leadership gap. We need to be replacing ourselves is what he is teaching us here. And so listen, we have to send strategically. We have to leave strategically. We have to plan strategically. We have to locate strategically. Planting is strategic. It is the strategic way that we see the glory of God revealed on earth. Okay? But it's not just strategic. Planting is also communal, our second point, which we're going to fly through these other three real quick. Planting is communal. Notice the names here. Artemis and Tychicus, which if you were here for our Unsung Heroes series, you remember that name probably. This was a faithful man. Apollos was actually taught and brought to faith by a couple named Priscilla and Aquila. And so they led him to faith. They discipled him. They trained him up. And then they sent him off, which means that each of us has a part to play in church planting. It's a communal effort. It is all of us that is doing this together. Notice Priscilla's name isn't mentioned here, but she's the one that probably helped Barnabas or I mean Apollos understand what's going on here, helps him to kind of grapple with what's going on. And so we see the importance of multiplication happening here. We each have a part to play. Even if your name is not the name that's written in there, there was still a part for you to play that created the ability for somebody to do the work of the gospel in the first place. We have to be able to realize this. We each have a part to play, not just the planter, not just the team going, all of us. It is a communal effort. Like, think about Zenus here, once again, the lawyer. He's likely helping to fund the church. I'm being serious about that, right? Like, he probably made money, and he was able to fund a lot of the ministry. And so, listen, that's important even. Like, as we think about how we are able to plant multiple churches, as all of us, as we use our gifts together, or as we give to that. Like, listen, if you have given to the well, you do realize that what we're about to celebrate in a minute, you gave to that very thing, right? Like 8% of everything that we get in immediately goes to national church planting. Another 7% goes to international church planting. Another 5% goes to ministries or different partnerships that we have that help catapult church planting. And so 20% of what you bring in immediately goes to multiplying or sending off other churches because we are serious about this as a church. And so as you give, you are actually helping the establishing of other churches. We all have a part to play, y'all. All of us in here, God has given you different gifts and he wants to use you and use them to make much of his name. He does not need you, but he wants you in with him to co-labor with him. This is a beautiful, God-gracious, given thing that he has given over to us. 
that you get to partake with him in this. This is why verse 14 is so important. As we devote ourselves to good works, then fruit comes, it says. Good works like making disciples and sharing our faith and being like Priscilla who leads Apollos who then sends him out. As we devote ourselves to good works, man, fruit is going to come out of that, y'all. The kingdom of God is not a dead tree. It's an alive tree that bears fruit. And so as we then do that work of multiplication, man, fruit will come. And so because we see the communal aspect, everybody using their gifts here, then there's able to be a church in Crete, and now Paul's able to do other work wherever these men and women may be going. And so for some of you, you are going with Josh, and you've invested deeply into this church. It's a good thing, because we don't just have Josh that's going. We have multiple other churches that are going, and others of you have invested deeply into people that are about to leave today. And that's a good thing because that is expanding the work of the gospel. It is discipleship. So whether you have trained them how to run different ministry areas, they're going to need to run ministry there. This is a good work. Whether you've given to it, whether you've had accountability or friendship or encouragement, like, man, we all have a part to play in this. As we devote ourselves to this more, we'll get to see the fruit more regularly produced because we each have a part to play. And God's kingdom is expanding, y'all. It's not decreasing. The gates of hell will not prevail. The darkness is being pushed back. And it's happening not just in the Middle East or in China or India right now, though it's blowing up there. It's still happening here, and I want to play our part in that. I want to see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven here in Austin, Texas, y'all. And we get to be a part of that. This is not just Tory training Josh. This is a communal effort here. But there's also connection too. So it's not just everybody using their gift, but notice the community that's there. Look again at verse 14. Paul calls it our people. O-U-R. It is our people. Even though Paul ain't there no more. He cared so much about this church because he was a part of helping it establish that he literally identified with them. And so this is a community thing. There's an affection for the churches that you plant and the people that you send because we're in this together, y'all. This is a community all collected in this, which goes to my third point. That means that church planting is hard. It's hard work. Why? Because it is such a community, And you know that you're saying bye to people that you love deeply and that you care for deeply. If the church is a family, which it is, then church planting should always be hard if the family is being done well. It's not just that the work is hard. It is hard work to plant a church. That's why 80% of them actually fail. 93% of minority church plants fail because it's a hard work to do. And so as we send Josh, we know that, and we want to strategize around that. Yes, it's hard work, but it's also just hard, y'all, because this is our family. Like these people that Paul is sending and coming, they're dear friends of his. You see his heart breaking for them. You see it in 2 Timothy. You see it in 1 Thessalonians. You see it in 2 Corinthians and so many books Paul is longing for and loving these people because it is such a communal thing that as he's sending and leaving and going, man, it hurts him. He just knows that one day we're going to spend eternity together. So he cares more about those who are not in the kingdom right now, bringing them into this family than he does it being insular in the family. He knows that a temporary releasing will create an eternal gratitude, both of the people released and of those who do not yet know Jesus. And so the mission remains in front of Paul, but that doesn't mean that it's not hard, y'all. It's hard, hard work. There are many people who do not know Christ right now that we want to see know Jesus. And so this is why it's important that we keep sending And that we continue, even if you're staying, to develop others, that more people would be able to go. Like, listen, it would have been way easier for Paul to keep Titus or the rock star Zenus or whoever it may be, wouldn't it have been? It would have been a lot easier to be like, well, this is my really close friend. We're accountability partners, so don't go. Right? But Paul cares more, right, about the the job in front of them. His mission is not to hoard them, but to empower them and then to send them for the sake of the gospel. And so that should be our mission as well, because if this is true that we are a family, then this is what healthy families do, right? Like if you see a 42-year-old man that is still living with his parents and is literally needing them to survive, then you know that there's something unhealthy about that situation, right? 
Now look, sometimes it can't be helped. Maybe because of the situations or circumstances, maybe there's an inability for that man to kind of care for himself, so he needs to care of parents. That, yeah, that happens, but that's rare, right? Oftentimes we just see people who aren't really called or equipped or aren't uh, living out what they're supposed to do, and we would look at that and say, man, that's unhealthy. Like, go get a job, right? Like go get a family or go do something, right? Don't just sit at home and play video games. That's not uh, literally fulfilling the commission that God has given us to multiply. And look, if you're feeling convicted about that, man, wear that conviction because we need men that are going to shape the world around us. We also need you ladies to not be doing that as well, though y'all be usually getting on the ball with it, all right? So it's a little bit less to y'all, okay? But listen, healthy families, they multiply, right? Like, think about it. Think about it. A kid, they go and they get raised up by the parents, and they're usually very, 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 very uh, needy, but you are training them to be self-sufficient. And then at some point, if the family is healthy, you send them away to get a job or you send them to college or something. You literally send them out of your family, right? This is a healthy family rhythm. I remember when I first went to college, I'm the oldest of all my siblings, and so it was the hardest on my mom. And I remember we're in my little dorm room, right, and my friend was there, my roommate, and we're sitting there, and it's kind of like everybody's lingering, like they don't want to leave, you know, because they know it's like, this is it. And so everybody's kind of lingering around, and, you know, I'm kind of feeling it a little bit, and my mom was like, okay, bye. (laughs) And we just started, like, weeping, okay? So she, like, clings on to me, and I'm like, yeah, it's cool, you know what I'm saying? Like, trying to, like, be real hard in front of my friend, right? And so she's, like, sitting here crying. She's like, I just love you so much. And I was like, I love you too, Mom, right? And it's hard, okay? It's hard to leave at first, but this is healthy. I bet my mom is really glad that she sent me out instead of keeping me in because now she has grandbabies to love and adore, And there's work that's being done that would not have been able to be done had I stayed. It's important to send, even if it's hard, y'all. This is a family. It is hard to send your family that you love, but it is important. It is so key to what God is calling us to do. And so listen, some of you are meant to stay in this family forever, and that's cool. Like, we want that. Like, some of you are meant to be the moms and the dads or the grandmas and the grandpas who kind of always have their home open, and you always know you can come back and find uh, refuge and safety there. Like, man, that might be a lot of us in the room. You're the matriarchs, you're the patriarchs of the family, and you stay and you help raise more and more and more kids, and you keep sending out kids. Like, that might be a lot of us, and that's awesome, but a lot of you, you're meant to go at some point. And as you get trained up and equipped, man, you are meant to also carry forth this gospel in a healthy way. And so there's a coming and a going that is natural for the people of God that we see here in Titus 3. Some people are staying. They might be staying in Crete forever, and they're building up the church there. That's awesome. It might be because of that very church that you're sitting in here today because of the multiplication they got to do. And so it's important to stay, but there's also a going that is regular in the people of God. And so look, all you lawyers, okay, don't be running off with Josh. We need some money too, all right? (laughs) But some of you need to go with Josh. And some of you need to go and support this new work. And so some people stay, some people go, but this is awesome. And as we continue to do that, man, we see the health come. We see the family develop deeper that we get to be a part of something that is beautiful, y'all. Some go, and that is going to hurt us if we're a good family, which for all the things that the world does good, family is one of the things we do best. And so it hurts when people leave us because there's a healthiness there. That is good, y'all. Planting is hard, but it brings us to our last point. Planting is necessary. Church planting is necessary because Jesus commanded it. He said, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Important distinction here. When Jesus uses the word baptize, in that culture, you were baptized in to uh, the church community. And so for us, baptism kind of represents something different, but for them, you were literally baptized into the family. So when Jesus is saying, go make disciples, he's saying, look, go see people who aren't in the faith, bring them into the faith. And then when you baptize them, you're literally baptizing them into a family, into a local church. So Jesus had the local church in his mind as he's giving out the great commission. He's saying, look, go find people, form family, teach them to obey, and then send them out that they might find other people too. This is a command of Jesus. And y'all, I also think that God rewards faithfulness. 
And so I don't think it's a mistake that two weeks uh, after we announced that we're moving to Martin, we're also announcing that we're sending off our church planter in Josh. I don't think that's an accident there. When we first brought Josh on, we were 160 people as a church. And people were like, ah, I don't know if that's enough to do church planting. And we were like, this is what we feel like God's convicted us to do. And so we're going to step in faith and do it. And I know y'all weren't here for the first gathering, but for like the sixth straight week, there were people sitting all along the walls, about 100 other people. And like, I don't think it's a mistake that we're saying, hey, look, we need to move into a bigger space as we're also sending people out because I think that God rewards your faithfulness. Like if you sow sparingly, then you will reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, then you will reap bountifully. And listen, this isn't prosperity gospel, y'all. I'm not saying if you sow 100, then you'll get $1,000. That might not happen. I am saying if you sow 100, you might get the very presence of God in your life that's worth way more than a thousand dollars. And so maybe this is what God is doing here is there's a faithfulness in a giving up. Listen, God's economy always rewards faithfulness and sacrifice, y'all. Always. It might be just with more of his presence, but that's probably all we need anyway. And so we see God kind of moving here, which is so important. It's necessary. I think that God is really rewarding the faithfulness here. Jesus commanded it that each person would be on mission. And as the church multiplies and disciples multiply in their life, this is vital that we continue in this effort. J.D. Greer, who is a pastor of a church in North Carolina, who his mission is to send 1,000 churches in 40 years. We whack in this mug, right? <laughs> To be fair, he started with like 6,000 people, okay? So they're going to get a little more. But he says this. Without the mission, a church is not a church. It's a group of disobedient Christians hanging out. Yeesh! <laughs> the church, you see, is not... Or I'm sorry, the question you see is not if we're called to pour out our lives for the mission, only where and how. All of you are missionaries. If you are reporting to King Jesus as your Lord... So not only is he our friend and our father, yes, he is, but he is also our master and our Lord to be obeyed, y'all. And he gave us a commandment to walk in faithfulness of making much of his name. It's not if you are sent, it's only where you're sent and how you're supposed to do the things that you're supposed to do. All of us are sent by God. Some of us into a new church plant. Some of us will be sent overseas. Some of you, you're not supposed to go until church plant number seven. Man, that's awesome. Some of you, you're supposed to be here forever, but you're still sent from our church to your community around you, and even within our church to build up our church to make much of Jesus. All of us are sent. All of us are missionaries. All of us, if you are saved, have been equipped with the Spirit of God to make much of God. Church planting is necessary because the exaltation of Jesus is necessary because he is worthy to be exalted, family of God. Our King is worthy. And we need to see that and we need to walk in that. Amen? And so what you see in Titus 3 here is these natural rhythms. Some are sending, some are going, some are staying, some are equipping, some are getting sent out. But we see mission happening in the life of a church. It is healthy. And y'all, we get to do something really, really, really healthy today. And so here's what I want to do right now, okay? I'm going to invite the band to come back up on stage. And if you're a parent of a child and you would like for your child to kind of witness this sending, I would encourage you, actually, you can go get your kid right now, okay? Uh, we want uh, to see uh, the generations multiplied. And listen, the children that are being taught right now in children's ministry are our future church planters 20 years from now. And so we want them to be able to see too because we're being serious about sending 100 in our generation, y'all. Within 50 years, we want to be seeing that happening. So we want them in this as well. And so today, we actually get to send. We get to send one of our, or actually our very first uh, national church plant. Listen, we get to send strategically, y'all. Church planting is strategic, right? We're sending them to a place in Southeast Austin that does not have a ton of gospel witness there. There's not a lot of work that's happening there. In fact, the stats are that there's 4.5 churches for every 100,000 people there. Do the math. We need church plants there, right? We get to plant strategically. We also get to send as a community. People are leaving our community that we love deeply, y'all. We love them. You love them. There's been intimacy that's there. And so, but they get to go try to form a community with people who right now do not have a home. Church planting is communal. This is hard work, though, because of the community. And we love these men and women. 
and some of our friends are going, like one of my best friends and Josh, somebody who I've loved getting to do ministry with and find as a friend, he's going. And I know what that means. He ain't gonna be in the staff meetings on Monday, to staff team meetings on Monday anymore, right? He's not gonna be sitting there laughing, making fun of Stephanie anymore. <laughs> he's not gonna be in the elder meetings. He's, not gonna, he's gonna be doing his own work. That's hard, but it's good because church planting is necessary. And we care so deeply about seeing men and women come into a saving relationship with the king of the universe that we want to send our best. And we're getting to do that a little bit today. The disciples will be made, that the world will be impacted for the sake of the gospel. So I want to invite Josh and Rachel up here on the stage. And I want you all to like, man, would you thank them? Like a genuine thank you as they're coming on up. this isn't like the well satellite campus okay what this is is a brand new autonomous church plant and I actually want to do something really fun I'm actually have you all sit down for a minute I appreciate you standing we're gonna stand here in a second okay but here's why okay Uh, Josh is planting refuge Austin and what I want you guys to know is the blessing that Josh has been to this church the amount of effort and energy that he has poured out to our people, the amount of effort and energy that Rachel has poured out to our people is monumental, y'all. Like there are ways that you've been blessed in here right now that you don't even realize because of a lot of their labor and work. And they've been pouring in faithfully for the past two years and loving our family faithfully. And so this is hard in a lot of ways to go, what's up, sweet girl? This is hard, right? to have to multiply and to send out some of our best friends, but it's necessary. And this is communal. We're in this together. And so here's what I want to do for a second. I want to look, if you have been blessed by Josh or Rachel in some way, shape or form, maybe there has been some conversation they've had that's been helpful. Maybe they just gave you a huge hug when you came into church and Josh gave you one of his big, hey, what up, bam, right, hugs. And you're like, man, I kind of like this guy. I kind of like this church. And maybe they're in here now. Maybe there's been training because you're on the usher team. Or maybe you've been blessed by uh, the community group that they've run. Or maybe uh, Rachel has helped serve your kids in children's ministry or discipled you as a woman or whatever it may be. If you've been blessed by Josh or Rachel in some way, shape, or form, I'm actually going to ask you to stand right now. Oof. want to do this. If you're a part of Josh's core team or his launch team, you know that you're going with Josh to kind of help start this new work. I actually want to invite you up on stage as well now because this is a communal effort. And so y'all come up and will we give them a hand too for sacrificing. standing. Each of these people, like they've served our church in a different way. They've taken care of your kids. They've led groups. They've trained you in different ways. There's been effort. There's been work that's been going on into this sending effort. This is a community, a family of God, okay? And so I'm going to actually ask the same question. If you've been blessed by some way, by somebody up here, maybe they served you once again, maybe they trained you in some area, maybe they just had one conversation with you that stood out. Look, maybe even just seeing somebody that looked like you actually helped you stay in the church. It's important, right? Maybe there's been something that's been going on, but if you've been blessed by some way, shape, or form by now the full people on stage, I'm actually going to ask you to stand too. Would you stand? Amen. 
Thank you. Planting is strategic, but it's communal, which means it's hard. And so what I want to do right now is actually I'm going to have my wife come up here on stage as well. Because we know that planting uh, takes us a team effort. And you've got to have somebody faithful and committed to kind of help what we're doing even here. Plus she's cute and all pregnant and stuff. And so come on. And what I want to do is I actually want to pray a blessing over Josh and Rachel. So whether you're sitting uh, down or whether you're standing, I would love for you to uh, actually reach out your hand. And in a way of symbolizing us laying hands on this team. And I'm going to have Anthony, one of our pastors, also come and pray over Josh and Rachel as well and Refuge Church as a whole. So would you join me in praying? Father, we thank you for these men, these women, these children. going to a place to start up a new work to make much of your name, Jesus. Would they make much of your name, Christ? Selfishly, God, I want want to keep all of them. But we thank you that we get to participate in the work of the gospel and in sending out others. So God, we pray blessing over these men and women as they labor away for the gospel, as they preach the gospel, they are missionaries where they live, as they serve others in the gospel, as they welcome people into their homes, as they are missionaries where they live, where they work, where they play. Thank you, Jesus, for letting us be a part of this. Pray that you would protect them, protect them from the enemy that wants to stop this work. We rebuke Satan in Jesus' name. And God, would you provide for them and would you guide and lead Jesus? Would you guide? Would you lead? We love love you, Christ. Padre, te damos gracias en esta mañana por tu presencia, por tu amor, por tu gracia, por tu misericordia. Señor, gracias que tú estás con nosotros. Señor, gracias por mi hermano Josh, su esposa Raquel y todas las armas que están acá en este escenario, Padre. Te damos gracias por la obra que tú estás haciendo en la iglesia de Refuge Church. Te pedimos que esta iglesia sea un refugio, Padre, para las armas. Señor, te pedimos que tu bendición Padre pedimos tu cobertura tu protección Padre Señor que tu evangelio sea proclamado y podemos ver salvaciones, bautismos que tu nombre sea glorificado Padre en esta iglesia Señor sabemos que tú eres capaz de ser más de lo que podemos imaginar más de lo que podemos pensar confiamos en ti en esta mañana Padre Haz la obra, Padre, glorifícate en esta iglesia. Te, te lo pedimos en el nombre, que sobre todo nombre, el nombre poderoso y hermoso de Jesús. Amén. 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 I'm going to invite everybody else to stand. love you. Thankful that you are making the sacrifice to make much of Jesus. One of our distinctives as a church that we say is that we do not celebrate growing, but we celebrate going. That's our second distinctive underneath church planting is that, look, we don't just celebrate us getting bigger. Man, we want to do that. We want more shade. We want people to find home, but we don't just celebrate the shade that we're making, but the shade that we're planting somewhere else that others may find refuge in their God. That's why I love that this church's name is Refuge, Austin, because that's what they get to do. And so as a sign of what's going to happen, in a moment we're going to commission them as a church, and they're going to walk down and walk out as a sign of them carrying the gospel with them. And as they leave our family to start other family, may we bless them on their way. 
And so in the same way we kind of get hyped during baptism, y'all, it's because we're celebrating the individual effort of this. This is the corporate expression of really what's happening in evangelism on an individualistic basis. And so we want to celebrate and get excited with them and thank our God as we are celebrating a new work going. And so we say this, as just Jesus has commissioned us, so we commission you to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything that He has commanded. And remember that Jesus is with you and Refuge Austin, we are with you to the end. We're here together in this. Thank you for being faithful. So as Jesus has commissioned us, so we commission you, go make much of Jesus, y'all. We love you guys. Don't get tired. Come on. Y'all, in a moment, we're going to celebrate by singing two songs together, okay? And listen, we still here, all right? And so as we sing these two songs, we're going to take communion together. And there's communion at six different places around the room. But listen to me. This moment is important because somebody sent somebody who sent somebody who sent somebody who started the well. And now we get to send them. And as refuge sends other people, there will be more people taking communion with us. And though we may never see their face, we will one day in eternity, y'all. This is such a communal effort that we are not sending never to see again. We are sending just for a moment. Because soon and very soon, we'll be home forever with our King. And so at any point during these next two songs, I would encourage you to go rip off a piece of bread and dip it in the juice, which represents the body. I was torn and the blood poured out for you. Listen, it was strategic for the Father to send the Son. It had to happen. It was the only way to make us right with God again. It was a communal effort because it was the Father and the Son and the Spirit who existed in perfect community. And they collectively said, yes, we're going to do this. But it was hard. Because the Father had to pour out the wrath of our sin on His Son. But it was necessary. It was the only thing that would reunite us with God. So as we take this communion, we're remembering the missionary that came first, Jesus. And we're remembering his commissioning of us, that we get to go into the world as well. So I love you guys deeply. Let's commune with our Father together at the table and let's sing out of the goodness of our God. I love you guys.